Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Betfair, where myself, Ali Maxwell, and himself, George Ellick, make betting picks ahead of the EFL weekend. This podcast is for over-18s only. We're talking about gambling that comes with significant risks. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you're thinking of having a bet on the weekend, make sure that you're aware of them. Head to BeGambleAware.org for the quickest and most in-depth way of doing that. A few messages from George and myself would be never to bet more than you can afford to lose. Certainly never chase your losses. Be disciplined. Have a staking plan. And gamble responsibly. Hi, George. Hi. Hello. I wanted to move past Teagate from the last two weeks. I wanted to try and find some common ground with you while also connecting with the listeners and asking right. another wholesome listener question. So okay. this week, uh, Tesco released some data on meal deals. Yes. Now, apparently, the nation's favorite meal deal, as per Tesco, is a sausage, bacon, and egg triple, McCoy's flame-grilled steak crisps, and 500 ml of Coca-Cola. So no wonder the nation's got bad breath. What's your go-to meal deal? I think that the Tesco's ham and cheese sandwich is the best supermarket bought sandwich where or like store-bought sandwich because the bread is that nice like brown malt like malty stuff yeah nice lashings of mayo rather than some um other supermarkets that give you quite stingy amounts of mayo mm-hmm. and then yeah ham and cheese uh, so that would be my one tesco's for for the crisps i'd probably just about say the beefy hula hoops um but i also like the salty hula hoops as well interesting facts for you and all any vegans listening to this do check this before you buy and eat them because I don't want to be responsible for misinformation. But I've been real, reliably told that beef crisps are all vegan because it's just flavouring, ah. which is quite fun. Uh, okay. I, but that, I'm not vegan. Wouldn't be the first time you've spread misinformation on the podcast, but probably could be the most damaging misinformation. You've I wouldn't be having a ham and cheese sandwich if I was vegan. Uh, and then my drink. Now, this is a bit embarrassing. Is it a fruit shoot? No, it's it's a water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And the reason is because since I had COVID back in March 2020, I since then I can't really drink fizzy drinks. They all taste gross. So it used to be a Coke. Now when I drink Coke, even now, even though my smell is pretty much all back, my taste is pretty much all back. When I drink Coke, it tastes like lighter fluid. And then all fizzy drinks have that slight, horrible, petrolly tang. That's not embarrassing. That's sad. That part is sad, but the, the water part's embarrassing. Also, if there are any people out there listening to this, who are working in like COVID research, let me know because I've still got weird taste stuff. I'm pretty embarrassed about mine because I think it's very boring, quite unadventurous, and I don't even like it that much. It's just it's just a go-to at a motorway service station when I just need something to eat. And it's Sainsbury's, ideally. It's BLT from any of them, really. It's prawn cocktail, Walker's crisps, which if I'm not driving, if I'm in the passenger seat, I'd like to put into the sandwich within the BLT, uh, and it's a... Diet Coke. Uh, there are there are occasions where I'll go full fat, but mostly it's a Diet Coke for me. I'd like to move on and ask the listener what your go-to meal deal is because really I'm looking for inspiration. I here. don't think anyone's ever gone on social media and asked people what their favorite meal deal is. So this is a first in the world. We are <laughs> engagement harvesters. What's your go-to meal deal, listener? Tweet us, please. Uh, last week on The Betting Show, Bleak week, I'm calling it. We both got one pick out of five. And mine was my nap, which was Norwich at six to four. The Wagner wagon um, getting off to a a very lively start. Uh, It meant that 
despite losing the other four picks, I was only 0.75 points down on the week. Your winner was Bolton against Pompey at Even Money, your next best. Um, but the others were no good. So you were down minus 3.84. But we'll look forward now with hope in our hearts and with, I'm going to say, quite a lot of expectation because I'm really excited for my picks on this week's betting show, more so than usual. What's your nap? What's your best bet? I better make mine snappy then. Um, my best bet is Ipswich Town to be Oxford at, at 19 to 20. Um, wow. my, my record, I think, backing Oxford on this show over the last five years is, is pretty bad. I think my record getting against Oxford is, has been quite good. Um, and uh, yeah, I was... I leapt out of bed on Monday morning, saw the 10 to 11, and it was like, I need to get on this because this is going to be four to seven by the time we get to the, to the betting show. And it's drifted, and I can't really work out why. Well, I think there, there are reasons why I can um, think this may happen. We know that Oxford are the big data outliers of League One. You know, the expected goals ratio is up there in the top six. The reality is, you know, a bottom half position at the moment. And, you know, slaves to the data and all that. That, that there will be some merit in saying that we're in a false position, but the performances recently have been really poor. And the win uh, on Saturday against Fleetwood might look like it was um, the start of, of, of maybe, you know, something a bit better off the back of a decent hour against Arsenal. But the first half was one-way traffic to a, a, a huge degree where Simon Eastwood had to make a few saves to keep Ox Oxford in it. Um, the win played a big part, but there's no denying that over the course of 90 minutes, Fleetwood could easily have been... Um, well clear of Oxford come half time and they wouldn't have had the opportunity to come back and win the game 2-1. Uh, Fleetwood also missed a big chance at one all an open goal that's hit over the bar. It was, there haven't been many occasions in fairness to, to Oxford and Carl Robinson where Oxford have played poorly in a game and, and won. You have to think that most teams who are successful in this league will have quite a few of those games. It's why there's that old, the old adage, um, a sign of a good team, whereas probably just a sign of a successful team re realistically. Um, but that you know, Oxford aren't playing particularly well. Yannick Wiltshire and Josh Murphy's return to the fold is, is crucial for Carl Robinson, who's pointed to their absence this season as being a key reason why the form has been bad. Apart from a 15-20 minute spell against Charlton, Murphy has looked pretty disinterested. I don't know if playing against Norwich's arch rivals Ipswich and and you know what should be a big game will, will spark something in him. And Yannick Wiltshire looks like he's lost the pace that made him the player that was once so destructive at League One level. So. I'm not harbouring much hope here. Of course, there are good players on Oxford's side, uh, but Ipswich have a really poor recent away record. They've only won one of their last five away games in League One, which is surprising. But when you delve into that a bit further, it doesn't really tell the whole story. You've got the four-all game against Charlton, where they were 4-2 up well into stoppage time and managed to lose, managed to draw it, sorry, four-all. Um, they beat Exeter. That's the one win. Uh, but you've also got the Lincoln game where they played against 10 men and battered them and somehow only came away with a point. Um, the Wickham game where they won the XG by miles conceded from one of Wickham's only forays forward and, and couldn't get the ball away they basically won they've been the dominant side in all of those games and I don't think there's much to really concern me here having watched the game between these two sides at Portman Road a couple of weeks ago the golfing quality between the two was stark and it was a real eye-opener to any Oxford fans who thought that the data alone was, was what was stopping us from being a, a top league one side so yeah, I mean, if, if the same level of, of dominance is shown by, by Ipswich over Oxford in this one, especially with the additions they've made in January as well, in, in Broadhead and, and Hurst coming into the fold, um, then that 19 to 20 is, is a massive, massive price. Um, there aren't many possibilities this season to back Ipswich, Ipswich in 90 minutes, but against a team who are seen to be better than they are by the underlying numbers, when I think there's more to it than just that, this is a, a plum opportunity to do so. This will be the fourth time this season that you have 
in some way or other gone against Oxford United. Uh, in week three, we both laid Oxford at home to Morecambe, 1.55. Winner. Yeah. In week seven, you backed Plymouth Argyle to beat Oxford at 2.2. Your nap. Yeah. Winner. And not long ago, you backed Sam Nombe to score any time against Oxford at 11-4. My nap is Luton to beat Wigan in the Championship uh, on Saturday at 2.6. Uh, it's a fun one because these two teams played in the FA Cup in a replay in midweek, having drawn in the first game. They went to Wigan for the replay. Luton won that game 2-1, a 98th minute winner from Elijah Adebayo. At their price for the game in the Cup was 2.4 with the Betfair Sportsbook, a winner if you'd backed it. So this is now 2.6. We've gone from 7-5 to 8-5. to with the Betfair Sportsbook, after a game in which Luton, the away side, certainly had more of the ball, certainly did more with the ball that they had. 13 shots to three, six shots on target to two, five corners to one. If I'm using rudimentary stats, that's because uh, FA Cup is clear is a bit of a blind spot when it comes to advanced stats. Uh, there aren't very many sites where you can find it. But uh, eye test, uh, reports from people who watch the game all come back pretty strong. Despite the fact this was a late winning goal, it was a fully deserved win for the better side. Wigan winless in the league since Torre took charge. Two draws and four defeats in that time. Uh, three of their defeats have been by four goals to one, which is a bit of a weird quirk. They've certainly let games get away from them at times. And I think it's fair to say this isn't what Wigan had in mind when sacking Liam Richardson and appointing Colo Torre. I think it's more of a Monday pod conversation, a wider one about the appointment uh, and an opinion that I have, and I think a number of people have, that in Wigan's situation, and very particularly with the squad that they have in the league that they're in, this perhaps wasn't the ideal time to hire a first-time manager that wants to implement a, a playing-out-the-back style, a process manager, I guess, if you like. Now, it's very early in the process and maybe too early to, to make big decisions on that, but with, with plenty of points still, still to play for. But going forward, they've looked really poor. The addition of what was uh, a style that, that meant they wanted to look to build up more, it it didn't make them any better at attacking. If anything, it made them worse. Uh, in terms of shots, uh, they've only hit double figures shots in three of their seven league games. Uh, that's against Sheffield United. Uh, a game they lost, eight of their 10 shots came after they were behind. Against Borough, 17 shots. They lost this one 4-1. Uh, 12 of their 17 shots came after they went behind. Against Cardiff last weekend is the one where they actually did have quite a few decent shots. They had three good chances at 0-0 then went behind and scored late, late on to equalise. But against Millwall, seven shots. Sunderland, seven shots. Hull, six shots. Luton in the league, seven shots. This this isn't good enough. They're not posing enough of a threat. And clearly, with the goals that they're conceding, they're not tough to beat at the moment either. They look, they look mud, muddled uh, in all aspects of the game. So, with Luton having been so superior in midweek, Wigan having just three shots total in their goal, uh, a worldie from the power of Thelo Asgard. Uh, I think that Luton, particularly with the likes of Carlton Morris to come back into the side, Pelly Ruddock added, adding freshness and bite in midfield, I think they can recreate the, the sort of ebbs and flows of that midweek fixture, be the better side here, have the better of the game, and I think they should win it. So 2.6, to 8-5, Luton to beat Wigan is my nap. Next. Next best. Next. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am going to be siding with Exeter at Pompey, um, draw no bet. Uh, at the time of recording, 
keep an eye on the Not The Top 20 YouTube page because since we started recording, it's basically been announced that John Massino is set to be confirmed as the new Portsmouth manager. Um, we will have reaction to that in video form uh, on there. So do go and check that out if you're a, a, a Pompey fan or if you just want to know, um, you know, he's a, a, a former Oxford player well, from this season, really. Um, but Portsmouth have been in, in such poor form that I find it hard to not think we have to find a way to get against them again here um extra five to four so taking out the draw you're still getting heavy um yeah i mean heavy odds against basically and the results recently for pompey have been so so bad last time we saw them a three nil loss at bolton um we've seen josh griffiths go back uh back to west brom uh, with the young keeper in goal who made a mistake for the second goal, uh, which doesn't help matters at all, even if he is a, a promising prospect. They haven't won a game uh, in any competition since um, winning in the in the Papa John's back in mid, mid-December. They haven't won a game in the EFL, uh, believe it or not, since the 22nd of October. Uh, it is a long time ago since that 1-0 win away at Forest Green. You know, this is a run of form, um, apart from a, a decent FA Cup run that goes back a long, long way. And it's going to be hard for Massinho to come in and in three days or two days galvanise the team in a way. If it is him, I mean, again, it's just local press reporting that it's been confirmed, that it's set to be confirmed. Uh, but even if it's still Simon Bassey, the caretaker manager, you know, for them to be as short as they are against an Exeter side who've had some decent results and performances in recent weeks. You know, we've got that 1-0 when we mentioned um, against Oxford uh, fairly recently. They also went to Bristol Rovers and won 4-3, so six points from six in the last two away games. Um, they are a side who look to be you know, who are, I think they're, they're coping with the loss of Matt Taylor far, far better than we probably anticipated that they would do. Um, and I think that here, there's nothing really for them to fear at all. Um, so yeah, at five to four, taking out the draw against one of the most out-of-form teams in the country. Seems like a must bet to me. Yeah, so I want to back Carlisle United. Uh, they're 3.1 away at... Valley Parade away at Bradford. Uh, now I'm going to take a bit of insurance and back them draw no bet at 2.2, 6 to 5. So Carlisle draw no bet 2.2. And um, Bradford, the last two months have, have just been poor. Their standards have certainly dropped from the start of the season. Adam Clayton's going to help that though, isn't he? Adam Clayton is going to be a Bradford City player as of today. <laughs> that's for sure. Did he um, run there? I think him and Richie Smallwood is a, a very tidy and incredibly mobile centre midfield partnership. Um, it's seven points from seven games for Bradford this uh, in the last few months. Uh, two wins, one draw, and three defeats in that time. They've conceded around a goal and a half per game in the last seven. That's And that's in line with XG against. This isn't some bit of bad luck or some hot finishing from the opposition. If anything, I'd almost feel the other way around. It feels like their keeper, Harry Lewis, is often having to make some pretty impressive saves to keep the ball out of the net and then conceding one and a half games uh, goals a game on top of that. They've scored less than a goal a game in that time. I think it's six in their last seven. So a real sense that Mark Hughes' grip has loosened slightly on this team and I'm not seeing that much evidence that it's likely to be regained anytime soon. Uh, they, they drew at Wimbledon on the weekend. That result was fine, even if the performance was nothing special. But last midweek, they lost at home to Rochdale, one of the worst teams in the league. They lost 2-1. And it was one of those midweek results, I think, that kind of slips under the radar a bit because there aren't many other games going on and a lot of people just don't really know that it's happened. But Rochdale going to Bradford and winning, I think, is pretty alarming. They've been iffy at Valley Parade all season, Bradford. They've only won 5 of 13 at home. You'd expect a better win percentage from a team battling for promotion. And 
Carlisle come to, to town as the highest away goal scorers in League Two. I think I've picked them maybe more than any other team on the betting show this season. So I don't feel necessarily the need to hype up Carlisle that much other than to reiterate what I've said a few times. They're a very good, consistent team. I think they are good in all areas of the pitch. I think they're a much better team than Bradford uh, and I'm very happy with them. At, they're over 2-1 to one to win this game. I'm taking the draw no bet at 2.2. I just think they're a better side and I think there's an aspect of the team name and team size, if you like, being built into this price and an expectation that Bradford are simply better than they actually are. So Car- uh, Carlisle, 2.2, draw no bet, my next best. Let's go for a lay. Laying Plymouth Argyle at 1.6, a home to Cheltenham. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of think there is a chance here. Amateur psychology, always been a key part of the Not Not Top 20 betting show. Love it. Um, the Argyle might be, compla- if there's a time they're going to be complacent, this is probably it, where they've managed to go to Portman Road, put in one of their best displays of the season, be comfortably the best side at Portman Road in terms of stopping Ipswich from doing what they do, scoring a, a massive late equaliser, um, which keeps them, you know, keeps that gap between them and Ipswich with promotion being the aim. If there's a time that they could possibly start to think that it's done, start to believe in it, and therefore just down tools for a second, it could be a home game against a side that they're expected to beat. And crucially with Cheltenham, yes, Cheltenham are currently um, one of the favourites for relegation because their form is very poor and where they are in the, in the table. But they're never beaten by far. Like taking their last five away games in the league, by no means necessarily easy games, Charlton, Forest Green, Shrewsbury, Bristol Rovers and Morecambe. So you've got, you know, it, but not one of the hardest teams either but still not the easiest fixtures they've gone to Shrewsbury and Charlton and beaten them both 1-0 they've lost the other three games but only by by a solitary goal so you've got a side here who I think even though they aren't great aren't a team who are often well beaten on the road um, and it's just yeah it just feels to me like Argyle are a little bit short here and there's reason to think you know I, I, I still as I said on the, on the show recently when I put them up against um, against Bolton you know there's there's no denying their quality but I do just think that maybe there might be a hiccup in a similar way to what we saw happen in Manchester United last night against Palace, where they went, they did the hard part, they beat Man City, and then they go and drop points against Palace. I do wonder if we could just see that little slide, that little bump in the road coming after such a big high. I'm laying Peterborough at home to Charlton, uh, 1.97 on the Betfair exchange. I'm not willing to trust Peterborough just yet. Uh, having switched from Grant McCann back to Darren Ferguson and despite a good away win at, at Port Vale in midweek, I think that the makeup of the squad, the club, we've seen too often this season that they've followed up a good performance with a poor one. I don't trust in a consistency of performance, I guess, when it comes to posh. Whereas Charlton, as listeners of the Monday pod will know, I'm pretty high on at the moment. I think they should be in, in decent nick having had midweek off for the first time under Dean Holden, who clearly has made a serious impression on the playing squad and the fan base, pretty much everyone it, within one month at, at Charlton Athletic. Um, the 3-1 win at Portsmouth was admittedly against a team in really bad shape, but it was really eye-catching in the way that they played, in the ma- manner that they played. And I think they could give Posh a real bloody nose here. Um, it was basically man-to-man in midfield, the attacking number eights, uh, Morgan and Fraser, it was man marked. I think it was Pack and plus one, maybe Morel or Larry or Larry. I can't quite remember. Um, but they completely marked them out of the game, forced uh, 
Pompey to go long. And they did a pretty good job at, at winning those balls, mopping up and then attacking and counter-attacking in particular at speed. And, and I think that could work here against Peterborough. They'll need Ryan Innes to do a good job um, physically against Johnson Clark-Harris. I think something that he's you know, um, fairly well suited to. Uh, and I think those those centre midfielders, Fraser and whoever plays alongside him, whether it's Payne or whether it's Morgan with, with Dobson mop, mopping up behind, been one of the best players in the league this season. Uh, I really think that there's a, a chance that Charlton could could catch Pom, uh, Posh cold. I think that they're, that they're vulnerable defensively. I've thought that all season. So Leeburn up against Edwards in the battle of the EFL 21 and the 21s. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Maybe he'll get the goal that you backed him for uh, last weekend. So that's me laying Peterborough at home to Charlton in League One. Goals? I'm doing Ali Maxwell, doing a goals double. Cool. It's, it's a bit of a grim one. I'm going back to the mill. Um, you saw Rotherham beat Blackburn 4-0 last time out. Um, very specifically didn't back Blackburn to score loads of goals against them because anyone will know that, you know, the Blackburn um, wheels coming off has been something we've been waiting for for a while. Um, but I do think Watford have enough quality to to, to punish Rotherham. I still don't think the Rotherham's defensive woes are over. Um, but the over two and a half is, is kind of just over nine to four at 23 to 10, which I think is, is a little bit too short. So what I'm doing is I'm going for the over one and a half and I'm doubling it with Bristol City to score over 0.5 goals at home to Blackburn, which is which is 1.98. So what my, my goals bet is Watford to score over, over 1.5 and Bristol City to score over 0.5. Um, so just under even money uh, is the way I'm playing this. Yeah, Rotherham's defensive issues, uh, and this has been a consistent winner over the last few weeks, is back in their opposition to score goals, and uh, Blackburn conceding four. You have to wonder if their luck in both boxes is at an end. And we know that Bristol City, after going through their own little lean spell, or, or poor spell, maybe is the better word, um, were back in decent fettle against uh, against. Birmingham scoring four goals. They are pretty prolific when they're doing okay and got a fancy them to get one against against Rovers. So yeah, that the Watford over one point five, Bristol City over 0.5 double at one point nine eight. Mm, for my goals pick this week, I'm not gonna go for a second half most goals like last week. I feel a little bit upset with the fact that Burton conceded a goal after 18 seconds. Not ideal when you've backed uh, second half to be the half with the most goals. Uh, I am going to go to one of the teams that I consider the goalsiest team in the EFL. That's Harrogate in League Two. They're three to one to win this game. And I think there's value in Harrogate to beat Grimsby. Um, Our theory with Harrogate is that Simon Weaver wanted to tighten up to start the season to basically improve their clear weaknesses from the last two years. In doing that, they lost their attacking threat that served them so well and they'd never achieved that great defensive solidity. And they had a really poor first few months of the season. But since reverting back to the Harrogate way, they've looked much more like the Harrogate of the last two years. And that means goals. We're seeing it in the increased output from Luke Armstrong, who's in cracking form, from Alex Patterson, who's back looking really good in terms of goals and assists as well. Harrogate has scored the most goals in League Two in the last three months, 22 in their last 12 games. Their points return hasn't been that good. Only 13 points from those 12 games isn't an amazing return, but it's a hell of a lot better than the previous 12 games. And they're up against this Grimsby team who they've only picked up eight points from 11 in the same time period. Their underlying performance data is worse than Harrogate's. They've conceded 21 in their last 11 games, which is almost two per game. That is somewhat boosted by Swindon's five last weekend, four of them following a red card. So 16 in 10 outside of that, which is still not great. I think there's a touch 
and I'm probably guilty of this, or at least I was before sitting down and doing this, of thinking that Grimsby are a bit better than they actually are because we thought they'd be better than this preseason and because they started okay. And thinking Harrogate are probably worse than they actually are because they only had three wins by mid-November and at that point it just seemed established that they weren't particularly good. But there have been clear signs of improvement. Seven of Harrogate's last 11 games have gone over 3.5 goals. So while I think there's value in Harrogate to win at 3-1, to one, I want to get lively and boost it to 12-1 to one by adding over 3.5 goals. It's unlikely but I think there's a chance. Harrogate to win against Grimsby and over 3.5 goals in the game. 12 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Who have you got to kick the ball in the goal this weekend? The man who's one goal off being championship top, top goal scorer at the moment behind Chubrakpom. And Yop. no, it's not 12 for goal gock. It is 12 goal Oscar Estupinian no. at 3 to 1. <laughs> um, yeah, as I said on the Monday pod, I just have this, this nagging doubt in my head about Sheffield United at the moment, where I just don't think they're playing as well as the, as the results and the, and the scoreline suggest. I think teams are fairly consistently having decent opportunities against them. And I think Hull under Rossini are, are proving themselves to be a side who can easily do it, you know, who can uh, create against anybody. We saw them score four last time on the road at Wigan. Um, the signing of Malcolm Ebiove is huge if he plays here. That's going to be a massive positive for Hull coming into this one. And then Estupinian, he seems to have found a new lease of life under under Rossini, scoring plenty of goals in the last few weeks. Uh, a brilliant equaliser against Huddersfield last time out. He's played 90 minutes consistently. And for, you know, I think Hull are a big price at kind of 5-1, to 9-2 anyway to win the game. Um, although I wouldn't necessarily, I think, yeah, Estupinian should get opportunities in this one. So at 3-1 to one, leading the line, he's the way I'm playing it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is basically 10 out of 10 for excitement levels for a goal scorer pick. Um, I haven't done as many centre-back goal scorers this season, I don't think, compared to the last few years. That's partly because I really like listening to the Anytime Notebook, which is a, a almost exclusively defenders to score goals specific podcast by Gav and by John. Uh, and they're very, very good at it and better than me at it. I think it's fair to say. Um, so I don't know what they've gone for this week. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same as this. Uh, ben Goodliffe of Sutton is the man for us this weekend. Why am I excited about this? It's the beautiful dual reasoning. One, Sutton are at home to Crawley. They're a very short price to win around 1.7, 1.75. There's obviously a bit of uncertainty around what Crawley will look like, what their performance level will be like, because Scott Lindsay takes charge for his first league game last week, having been called off. But let's remind ourselves of the last few league games. In the last five, Crawley have conceded two-headed goals against Newport. One of them was Matty Dolan arriving late from open play. Uh, one of them was a set-piece header. They conceded two goals from Carl Piergiani of Stevenage in their defeat against Stevenage. When they played Sutton, the reverse fixture, just a few weeks ago, they conceded a set-piece goal. It was a scrappy one smashed in by Joe Kizzy. And against Hartlepool, the game that I was at, they conceded two set-piece goals, one thumping header from centre-back Menais and one own goal uh, from really good delivery from Callum Cook. Sutton are their opponents, their hosts. Sutton have the highest set-piece XG in League Two per the Opta analyst. Joe Kizzy, for the most part, has been their main threat from set-pieces. But I think Goodliffe is now potentially number one. Goodliffe is a very beefy, physical centre-back, a dominant centre-back. He's been injured all season until a couple of weeks ago. Since he's come back from injury, he has been 
in the thick of it, shall we say, from set-piece situations. He had a couple of efforts against Salford last weekend. He was involved with a shot against Tranmere. It's all been a little bit scrappy so far, but I just think if Sutton can get good delivery into the box, which they almost always do, good lift against a weak Crawley defence could be quite interesting here. So he's 15-1 to any time with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm putting three quarters of a point on Goodlift to score any time at 15-1. to But just because of Crawley's recent record of conceding headers, and in particular uh, headers from centre-halves, Piaggiani and Roland Menais in particular, I'm going to put a quarter of a point on Ben Goodliffe to score two or more at 300 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Hoping for a little bit of the good life, thanks to Ben Goodliffe this weekend. 300 to 1 to score two or more, taking a quarter of a point and 15 to 1 anytime, three quarters of a point. Okay, let's wrap this up for the week. George, your selections, please, sir. Recapped. Uh, my nap are Ipswich at Oxford, backing ex Jorno Bet. At Pompey laying Argyle at home to Cheltenham uh, over 1.5 Watford goals and over 0.5 Bristol City goals is my goals double and Oscar Estupinian at 3-1 to score any time at Bramall Lane is my goal scorer my nap is Luton to beat Wigan at 2.6 next best Carlisle draw no bet 2.2 at Bradford I've laid Peterborough at 1.97 on the Betfair exchange at home to Charlton. My goals pick, Harrogate, and over 3.5 goals at 12 to 1. And welcome to the good life, Ben Goodliffe of Sutton United. Three quarters of a point, 15 to 1 anytime, a quarter of a point, 300 to 1 for him to score two <laughs> or more. One of those weekends where I'm genuinely excited by my picks, but we'll probably go 0 for 5. No. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, We'll be back again on Monday with a recap of the weekend. In the meantime, there'll be some videos heading up on our YouTube channel at the back end of the week to keep you titillated. So head to YouTube, subscribe to our channel and check out the videos as they drop. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you to Betfair for their support of this podcast. And we'll chat again on Monday. Have a good weekend. Go out.